Section 12 of The Rover, Volume 1, Number 16. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Rover, Volume 1, Number 16. Edited by Seba Smith and Lawrence Labrie. Section 12. The Idiot. The heart, in many instances, is a better judge even of propriety and manners than the judgment. The judgment, in cases touching the conduct of individuals, is perhaps often too severe. For example, we are apt to regard with equal contempt the behavior of the weak and the silly, without considering that under the zero of reason there are many degrees before the human intelligence sinks to that of the animal instincts. At least it is charitable to believe so, and it cherishes amiable sentiments to inculcate that doctrine. Every reader of dramatic history has heard of Garrick's contest with Madame Clarion, and the triumph which the English Rochus achieved over the sidons of the French stage, by his representation of the father struck with fatuity on beholding his only infant child dashed to pieces by leaping in its joy from his arms. Perhaps the sole remaining conquest for histrionic tragedy is somewhere in the unexplored regions of the mind, below the ordinary understanding, amid the gradations of idiocy. The various shades and degrees of sense and sensibility which lie there unknown, genius, in some gifted moment, may discover. In the meantime, as a small specimen of its undivulged dramatic treasures, we submit to our readers the following little anecdote: A poor widow who kept a booth or stall of apples and sweetmints had an idiot child so utterly helpless and dependent that he did not appear to be ever alive to anger or self-defense. He sat all day at her feet and seemed to be possessed of no other sentiment of the human kind than confidence in his mother's love and a dread of the schoolboys by whom he was often annoyed. His whole occupation as he sat on the ground was in swinging backward and forward, singing Palal in the low pathetic voice, only interrupted at intervals on the appearance of any of his tormentors, when he clung to his mother in alarm. From morning to evening he sung his plaintive and aimless ditty. At night, when his poor mother gathered up her little wares to return home, so deplorable did his defects appear, that while she carried her table on her head, and her stock of little merchandise with one hand, she was obliged to lead him with the other. Ever and anon, as any of the schoolboys appeared in view, the harmless thing clung close to her, and hid his face in her bosom for protection. A human creature so far below the standard of humanity was nowhere ever seen. He had not even the shallow cunning which is often found among these unfinished beings and his simplicity could not even be measured by the standard we apply to the capacity of a lamb. Yet it had a feeling rarely manifested even in the affectionate dog, and a knowledge never shown by any mere animal. He was sensible of his mother's kindness and how much he owed to her care. At night, when he spread his humble pallet, though he knew not prayer nor could comprehend the solemnities of worship, he prostrated himself at her feet, and he kissed them, mumbled a kind of mental orison, as if in fond and holy devotion. 
in the morning before she went abroad to resume her station in the marketplace he peeped anxiously out to reconnoiter the street and so often as he saw any of the schoolboys in the way he held her firmly back and sang his sorrowful palal one day the poor woman and her idiot boy were missed from the marketplace and the charity of some of the neighbors induced them to visit her hovel they found her dead on her sorry couch and the boy sitting beside her holding her hand swinging and singing his pitiful lay more sorrowful than he had ever done before he could not speak but only utter a brutish gabble sometimes he looked as if he comprehended something of what was said on this occasion when the neighbors spoke to him he looked up with the tear in his eye and clasping the cold hand more tenderly sunk the strain of his mournful palal into a softer and sadder key the spectators deeply affected raised him from the body and he surrendered his hold of the earthly hand without resistance retiring in silence to an obscure corner of the room one of them looking toward the others said to them poor wretch what shall we do with him at that moment he resumed his chant and lifting two handfuls of dust from the floor sprinkled it on his head and sung with a wild and clear heart piercing pathos palal palal end of section 12